Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out So, I saw where Lee Scratch Perry died this week. Mm. I don't really know much about him. Do you guys? No, he worked with Marley a lot. <clears throat> yeah, well, he kind of um, took Marley, like, under his wing. I mean, he was he was big in Jamaica and kind of didn't discover Marley, but once he got involved with Marley, they, they did a lot of work together. He was, he was, he was a kind producer? Of, yeah, well, yeah, and just a big promoter, producer of the Jamaica Sound had a lot of clout pre Marley, so then was like, okay, this is the next thing. Let me let me hop on this train's leaving. <laughs> I don't I don't know any of it's on. Speaking of Marley though, and to to be somewhat topical, is there a riff that stands out in Marley tunes for you guys? The the beginning the riff at the beginning of Concrete Jungle was like a bound down 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 ba dum with the the with the one bump a da bump da bump da bump da bump bump da bump is that a riff? Could you be loved? Is that is that a riff? Because if it is, it's, it's, it's more of a texture. I um, mean, it, it, it a riff is tough to define. Um, let's let's define a riff. Neil, you go first. Well, first, let me just say my favorite Marley riff. It would be a bass riff. Steer it up. That's that's the best. Mm. It's very simple. Very. Good. But anyway, me define a riff. I don't know, man. It's that's that's why I opened this saying I can't define it because Jonathan, I think you might do better than I. That was a very Lebowskian answer there. I, I like that, Neil. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> I, I, I pre- no, and I mean it sincerely. Just your sheer, like, it's just so big. Like, how can you even explain yeah, what a riff is, I said is, it man? was undefinable, and then Josh was like, <laughs> Neil, riff, go. I would say a riff is a, <laughs> I would say it's a short, uh, repeated musical phrase that is the basis or, like, general theme of a song. If, if, if a song is riff-driven, chances are the song was written around that riff. Like, say... Iron Man. Yeah. Ozzy didn't come into the studio going, has he lost it? And Tony Allman yeah. would be like, oh, the guitar part would be this. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Satisfaction, another one, which is a famous story of Keith. Yeah, where, what, he but, dreamed that? Or, yeah, he, he recorded it. He had the tape recorder was running beside him. He woke up, and he didn't remember doing it, And but he woke up, and the tape recorder was running beside him, and he rewound it and hit play, and it was on there. I'll, I'm going to try to define a riff. It's, it's a collection of notes that it's for me for me when i think of a riff as as not a guitar player it's more of like an instrumental hook basically Mm -hmm. right it's something Mm -hmm. that draws you in it's almost like a a a written piece of instrumentation that is going to be repetitive throughout the song that draws you into the song if you hear something that is repetitive and catchy that's a riff well right i will say as a guitar player when you learn you just just the riff you're like oh yeah i know that song it's like no you don't <laughs> no you don't <laughs> yeah, no you don't because <laughs> so i mean funny. well let me ask you this neil what was the first guitar riff you learned how to play do you remember um i mean one of them was day tripper is that okay. a bass or guitar riff it's both okay. i mean it, the bass continues but the guitar comes in with the same riff 
you Did think- you ever hear Hendrix cover that, Neil, on the BBC sessions? Oh, it's great. That's so nasty. Uh, Jonathan, what was the? Do you remember the first riff you learned on guitar? It was probably like Iron Man or something. And that's a classic example of you think you know it, and then it's like you forget all the da da Nobody wants him down down da da. You forget the. You think you know the whole song because you can go bow bow. And that's like I got I can play Iron Man now, and you're like, oh wait, there's more to this. You can play that. You can play those four notes. I would say the the first riff I learned would have been either. Santa Monica by Everclear. Wow. Is there a down riff out, in that? Down out, down out, down out, down out. It's just a very it's, it's, beginner's it's a guitar song. like sure. I am still living with you down out. And then obviously Smoke on the Water, Deep Purple. Yeah. Right? That's a fun one. You know that? You know how to play that? <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I haven't played it in a long time, but when I first picked up a guitar, that was just one of the easier riffs. Mm-hmm. And one of the like, like, Dewey ones Cox. that. You just picked it up, and you're just like, bom, 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 bom. <laughs> that Dewey Cox shit is so funny when he does that. I thought that was like the beginner riff for everyone, that, honestly. That, that, I think Iron Man, um, Seven Nation Army is now, which is a testament to how good that riff is. That's a great riff. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, that's a ubiquitous that's a riff. And now, riff. If, if I were to ask you, Neil, what is your favorite riff off the top of your head? Go. Um, well, I think the best riff and one of my favorites, it's a little overplayed, but Black Dog Zeppelin is just so mm. good. I mean, yeah. and it's so fun to play. You, you got to have a little skill to play it. It, it just, it really has a, a, a great groove and a lot of notes, but not too many. You know, it's just the right amount. And we're talking the... That is not that accessible to beginner guitar players, I wouldn't think. Uh, but yeah, well, beginner mouth guitar players tend to handle it. No am, problem. And I am. I, I'm actually an intermediate uh, mouth <laughs> guitar player. So <laughs> how dare you? Uh, Jonathan, what is your favorite guitar riff off the top of your head? I mean, it's funny, Neil, because I was, I was actually thinking of the ocean. How's that one going? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's live footage of them doing that at Madison Square Garden, and it's like... This yeah. is everything rock and roll could. This is the best thing I've ever seen. It's looked yes. like fuck. That is good, um, I, and it may be even more rocking. But just the black dog, the precision of it's just oh, yeah. such an eloquent riff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I don't think that, I, this may be my favorite. It may not, but I'll, I'll stick with the Zeppelin theme and go whole lot of love. I think that's my favorite. Wow. Uh, riff, riff masters. Yeah, I mean they, they, <laughs> they do their thing, but I would say the first like riff riff that I really like just dug into it at a young age was um it was either sweet emotion or killing in the name of mm-hmm. oh, nice. okay. like the one of those so two good. were like the first time i was like what the fuck is actually you know what the first here? one i ever heard that i was like i have to hear this again and again is um another one bites the dust ah. the bass riff coming in it's boom yeah i was just like fuck what is this but um, killing in the name of, I'm glad you brought that one up, Josh. Just it's so funky, it's so hard and so funky. It was the first time that like that kind of just loud, like angry music had been put to. Like I don't even think re- people realized at first it was basically just funk, you know? Yeah, he's such a nerd playing guitar. Like you know, like he looks like such a nerd playing guitar. It's funny because like the way he plays, it's very stiff. The guitar, he, also, he wears a guitar high, too. He, it's yeah, like a, and the, it's reminiscent, I guess, of, like, the, the guys in the 60s, like, that would play up there. And Cash used to play up there. Because um, these guess, are guys who don't bend strings a lot. 
Yeah. It's, but no, I'm what? serious because it's like you need more leverage. You need to be a little lower to bend that. If it's higher, trying to bend up here is awkward. Yeah. I, and I would say, speaking of guys in the 60s, I mean, like, you know, before Zeppelin, I, I feel like the Kinks were the riff masters. Like, you really got me as a, as a oh, yeah. riff that. I mean, is that's ridiculous. Just stand out. And also the other one. What's the other one? Um, Wild Thing? All day, no, All Day and All the Night. There's. Do you guys know Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, or he's just like. It's all like, it's super minimal when he's just like, but that just sounds like an old blues guy. It's so nasty though, but it, it, it's all that distortion and shit. Like, yeah. they said that they wrote that at practice and then they just came and played it at the end of their set in this bar and everybody was like, what the fuck was that last thing you played? Because, like, <laughs> no one did it. And that's like Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. It's so nasty. Well, speaking of kind of like old school blues, uh, I think one of the originators of a great riff was Born Under a Bad Side. Oh yeah, just mm. it's such a cool little. Man, like, that's amazing. That? Yeah. Albert, I mean, no, it's one of the kings, it? right? It's... Booker T. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Albert King made it famous. Well, I, I guess Booker up. T. Booker T. has what the the Green, Green onions. onions? Yeah, it's just also an amazing riff. It's a fantastic riff. I would say, and also, I mean, you go into the '80s, you got Eye of the Tiger. I mean, come on. I actually played that today. That's probably one of the most Albert. recognizable riffs in the world. Actually, I literally um, did that day. I was like, "What a great!" And I felt like cutting off my sleeves and running on the beach, with socks up to my knees, <laughs> the mustache. Um, that would, that would be fucking nice. that clap that riff clapped and put into a uh, two of them with clap, the riff clapped and put into you know crossroads is great. Absolutely. And then um, that, that the Almond Brothers at him, the one way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a good one too. More like old blues though. They just they just gave it some swing. Yeah, that's true. You could argue that put a little amp into and it. I, I really think we're we're missing like the. It's undeniable that money for nothing is just. Oh, it's incredible! Just now, that's out of a control. riff that's harder to play than you think it is. One of the harder riffs to play that you think I, I thought I was gonna pick it up and play it. I can't remember how I did it now, but I, you can't. I didn't. I was like, "What the fuck's he doing?" And then you well, just, just Mark Knopfler, right? Like it's of course it's yeah, working. and all those kind of like harmonic rakes that he's doing, like yeah. Okay, well I got one more. Shakedown Street, Grateful Dead. Mm, good. Yeah, it's definitely a great one. It's a great one. Neil, give me one more. Um, I got one for you, Josh. Kings of Leon, Ragu. Mm. Boom. Bang. (laughs) Call me Will's delight. Well, just I mean the riff in that. There's a reason they never play it live. Yeah, I've never. And there's those like slide downs. It's, it's really I, cool. I can't imagine any of them played that on the record. I mean, it can't, it's not that difficult. <laughs> Fucking learn it, bro. It's your song. Play it. Love it, Neil. Love it. Jonathan, give me one more. Um, Muddy Waters, the Hoochie Coochie Man. I mean, is Ooh. there a better riff ever? I mean, that's just like every riff that ever came after it is has something yeah, to do with yeah. that riff. Well, yeah. actually, no, is that Manish Boy? You that just might play be Manish, Manish Boy. I was playing Manish, yeah. so yeah. I get that in Hoochie Coochie. C-M. Yeah, or actually the tune, uh, the lick, Rolling Stone, which is actually where the Rolling Stones got their name. You know that, um... Eh, Manish Boy's better than that. That's a pretty good one, though. That's Voodoo okay. Child's also based on that. Voodoo Child's very similar to uh, that Oh, well, Hulk Hogan made that Voodoo Child... Or chili, as I like to call it. The, like to call it. <laughs> Honey the chili. chili. Honey chili. <laughs> chili. <laughs> and on that note, 
Uh, you are listening to Pod Gabe Rock and Roll to you, and we are talking about riffs this week because this week we are discussing Crazy Train from Ozzy Osbourne's 1980 solo album, The Blizzard of Oz, written by Bob Daisley, Ozzy Osbourne, and Randy Rhodes, and produced by Bob Daisley, Lee Kerslake, and Randy Rhodes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's as squarely a, a rock or hard rock or maybe probably even metal-ish tune as you can think of. I mean, it's, as a guitar player, it's a classic, classic guitar riff. Lots of energy. It's a song that's easy to think you know everything about it and then, you know, listen to it. Or It's a, lot, a song that's easy to make assumptions about. Like, I think it's a very interesting message. It kind of has like almost like a humanist message if you listen to it. And Ozzy is that's something Ozzy does a lot, even back from Black Sabbath, where people are all accusing him of worshiping the devil. And I mean, he was definitely a fucking lunatic, like no question. But like, I think he probably hurt himself more than anybody else. And that's pretty noble, right? <laughs> so, but the fact that he comes across like this fucking batshit mumbling Satanist, or at least people think that, but there's really this human, humanistic message to this song. And then when you combine that, with great songwriting and uh, one of the great guitar players, electric guitar players. It's just a hell of a combination. Also wanted an excuse to learn the solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a tall order. Yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> going to be, that's going to be fun. I, you know, I mean, this is like classic rock ubiquity, right? And rightfully so. But I really first remember like, this song in particular, because I believe the Ole Miss football team used to play it before football games in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Sure like, you'd be sitting there, like, pregame, and it'd be like, on a board, you know, I, I, you know, and that whole thing, and you'd just be like, oh, yeah, and then that riff kicks in. And even though I hate the Ole Miss Rebels for many reasons, that shit would pump me up to, like, root for whoever they were playing against, whether I liked the opponent or not. It was always Question. against Ole Miss. But you don't feel that way about Rocky Top, is that correct? I also despise Rocky Top, yes. So, but you despise Rocky Top? I turn Rocky Top off, yes. That Rocky uh, Top, flatly that is, song. That is the song for the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, That's my song in three weeks. Y'all stay tuned. <laughs> I will. Oh, the, the, the fish version? We'll have a guest host. No, the good one. The. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, once that shit came on, like, it got crazy in the stadium and <laughs> and and in my body. It got crazy in your body. Oh, it did. The adrenaline crazy. started. The adrenaline started. Uh, <laughs> started pumping, baby. Yeah, like nice. like you said, the riff is next level. As is the solo. The tune's a classic. I mean, I, what more can you say other than the next thirty minutes of what we're about to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously a great rock song, and it's it's quite literally almost defined stadium rock. There's. There's so many elements that, like, this song was almost written to just play in front of 100,000 people. But yeah. one thing I do find about, like, the song is almost schizophrenic. The way it starts with the the laughing and the I, 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 and then it goes into that, just the way it goes from that dark riff to the bump, bump. It's it's so optimistic, like, the, the, the chord. It sounds so 80s and just, it pumps you up, but it is very kind of, it, it almost, it's very poppy. It's like from Sabbath to Van Halen. Is what, what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, it's like the bridge. Transition. They bridge the <laughs> yes. gap with this song, for sure. It's the perineum. When, when it kicks in, it's truly 80s, just kind of upbeat glory. 
I feel like this song's been hurt a little bit by what you said, Josh. It's it. I associate it with football, basically, or sports mainly at this point because you hear it almost at every stadium at least once. It was either meant to be played live in front of a hundred thousand people or played over the PA in front of a hundred thousand people. Yeah, it, you know, it's not meant for like two people to just Beavis and Butthead this shit. And like, well, maybe <laughs> but that like works too. two that two works thirteen too. year olds just Beavis and Buttheading in the garage. You know, it's a song for all occasions. Um, I was gonna say, Neil, it's funny you say schizophrenic because it's called Crazy Train, right? Uh-huh. I think that's the thing. Yep, yep. If you think about like the ups and downs that a guy like Ozzy Osbourne would have experienced, would have been fucking on top of just the general difficulties of the modern world, you know, because it's like some things in his life are fucking amazing. And then some things are like, I'm going to die if I'm not very careful here, you know, like, or you think about that the day after and you're like, Holy shit. How did I, I not have died. die? Right. Yeah. It is schizophrenic. It is crazy. And I also think it's almost like a poster child for excess. Like it, the, everything is in the song. Like it's almost, they're showing off, like, especially the guitar players, just like, Look at this. I'm going to play in the next five minutes. I'm going to play 4,000 notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, well <laughs> the, the funny thing is, Neil, you just said it's almost like they're throwing the kitchen sink. It, it's almost like the fucking screw popped off and then the steam started coming out and then the rest of the fucking engine exploded. And the uh-huh. song kind of encapsulates that. And with the lyrical content kind of about the Cold War. And, I mean, I didn't really grow up in a time of thinking about, well, you know, if one country nuked the other, and then we did that, and then we're all dead, so what does ever, anything matter? It would fucking drive anybody crazy, right? Yeah, I never knew till this week and listening to it what the lyrics were about. It's really kind of a great. a great anthem for the time and the way he weaved in his uh, hard rock, stadium rock kind of sound with this poppy kind of riff that's poppy and rocking and talking about the cold war and just the struggles of the time. It's, it's, it's a lot more deep than I thought it was. That's what I was saying about it. It's easy to misjudge it. Like be like, it's like just some, Oh, hey, Ozzy again. He's on his crazy right. train. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy being crazy. He's biting birds heads. And it's not like a complex view of the world or anything, but it's, it is an honest one. They almost set it up like that too, because this was the first thing he did outside of sabbath and it's the first song on that album it's like all aboard this fucking conductor of this crazy train and the most effective rock and roll lyrics are the ones that are simple and make their point and and don't really veer off and go into any other territory or try to get too abstract or try to like don't you know, try to get, be deep yeah and they start to to become gibberish i mean it's basically like a a well-executed short story and and like you, Neil, I didn't know this lyric like word for word, and it, it is. It's it's an extremely effect. Like this lyric could describe modern humanity. I mean, it's basically mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. news and lies and corruption and the feeling you inherit from the whatever the fuck humanity fucked up before that is now your problem, and you can't do anything about it. And that's gonna drive any fucking body insane, right? Yeah, and things haven't and gotten better since he wrote the song. <laughs> There's always something. No, no, they have not. I can't believe this was his first solo single coming out of the gate. Crushing it. Just, just <laughs> instant classic. I mean, it's amazing. Well, Fuck you, Black Sabbath. Fuck so, you, so we do have to. We have. We do have to correct something that. 
this is now thought of as his solo album. But this was supposed to be a band called Blizzard of Oz. The people mm. who played on this, Randy Rhodes, Robert Daisley, and I think Kerslake, who's the drummer, all kind of, or definitely the first three. Randy Rhodes, the guitar player, Daisley, the bass player, and Ozzy, the singer, they all kind of, or at least they, Daisley and has said, this was a band called Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, well, Blizzard of Oz is a great album name but it's not a good band name because it's just still just call, call it ozzy osbourne it, it just it's too much it's too well, they, they're jumping the, the shark on the cover they did they put ozzy osbourne of like like as if he was the guy and so but like yeah. i mean he was clearly the fucking asset the, yeah the record and obviously knew what they for, were doing yeah for reasons yeah. that the smart people were like no you're not doing that that's the album well, name so i think what we're getting at here then is and this is what I always say is the most important thing in any song is there's a very strong narrative. It's not just some asshole saying rock and roll center words and some dude playing a billion notes, right? Like it feels schizophrenic. It's compelling. It's a great vehicle for, you know, self-expression. And you can tell a lot about Ozzy, a guy who it's easy to write off as once again, this just rock and roll idiot. And you see him being able to shape his emotions and his perspective into this very finely crafted song that then has this, genius guitar playing coupled with it. I mean, you know, he's kind of like Bowie in the sense that there's always some ripping guitar player, but they're always playing for him. Yeah. So basically Randy Rhodes wrote the riff and then Daisley wrote the chords underneath it. Ozzy came up with the melody and Daisley wrote the, the, the words. Okay. Huh? So it's, it's not really like, I mean, Ozzy puts the emotion and, 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 and into the, me- and, and came up with the melody and, and I'm sure he helped with some of the lyric and probably maybe may have changed some stuff. But even then it's cool because it shows that he's smart enough to get somebody to do something that he can't do or, or, or whatever that, you know, it's cool to employ. Yeah. But the riff, it all comes from the riff, obviously. And Daisley basically has audited the production company, the the, the record company that releases this song, like every three years to like see if they're shorting him on royalties. He should be, which is, which is funny. But Anyway, just back to real quick before we move on. Jonathan, do you have a favorite part of the lyric? I mean, just lyric itself. Let's, 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 let me answer if I have a favy, favorite part of the vocal performance. You, know, you, I can, don't say, think, you can say favy. Yeah. I'll favy. It's, I guess it's kind of a pre-chorus or that middle wound's not healing. Yeah. It, it, it's like that's a it, – because that, that's the part I could always hear. Mm-hmm. And so I think just that da, – da, da, uh, uh, that part is probably my favorite. And I love how that goes from mental wounds not healing to mental wounds still screaming uh-huh. the second time. <laughs> yeah, that's And awesome. just one more. I love uh, his line right before the solo, just like, you have to listen to my words. It's, it's yeah. just even the phrasing of that is really cool. Because that's also somebody going crazy like, you have to listen to my words. Like, <laughs> fucking listen to me. Uh, but no, yeah. the, 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 the mental wounds not healing is, is I think, the best m- melodic part that he sings. I, I absolutely never knew what he was saying there until this oh, yeah. week, and I looked at it. Never. I mean, I knew this the, the, the screaming. I didn't know about the healing. 
But I, I find the, the first, the very first verse mm -hmm. extremely uh, effective. Like when I was going back to the like simple, gets it across in real quick, you know, crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to eat. Super simple, but the point is there. It's very accessible to, and that's the other thing. And I mean, this is a combination of this song, but like this is literally anybody can hear this song and relate to it. And that's like, mcdonald's where it's accessible for everyone basically it's successful <laughs> <laughs> yeah just the way he uses that crazy it's such a cool way to start it's a so song. casual oh yeah actually yeah. that that random i i i that it's what's such a random little thing but like it so makes that song well, it's just that he's that just they set iconic. up so much drama before they even get into the song you know well, I mean? it's, it's just it's just his voice to me. It, it's fine. I don't really think it's like next level great. Well, he didn't, he's not going to be singing at church or nothing. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I mean, it did. But the, the the vocal effect they have in this song, it sounds like he's screaming down a hall. But it's so clean and so and it sounds so produced, but not in like a polished way. Right. Because it still sounds nuts. And I just, I wish I knew how to, to make my voice sound like that, you know, <laughs> I can record it. But I do think he, I mean, it may not be a like classical, like great voice, but his, the unique delivery he has, yes. has stood the test of time for 40 years. 100%. Amazing. Well, he's not a, like I said, he's a guy who tells stories in key. He's not a singer. Like he's not going to go out and sing on a fucking cruise ship. Like he's not just a guy who can sing anything. But what does set him apart, what makes him unique, is what you were saying, the eye eyes and the laughter. And oh, yeah, he's himself, right? He's like, Herco I, like Herco Bain kind of singer. He sounds like, he, I mean, he almost sounds like a horror character at the beginning. He sounds like the conductor exactly. of a crazy train. It's right. like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the, the one carrying you through this, and you're like, where the fuck are we going? I don't That's know, but it's going to be engineer. insane. <laughs> Bring the fucking... Question about his vocal. Do you think they're doubled? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. right? And there's an effect of some sort. We, well, we and there's, there's a serious... Uh, he's doing his own harmony on the... Um, but there's... Yeah. Going off the rails on a crazy train. And that's cool. That, and that sounds yeah. cool. I mean, like I said, he's... Then the shit he's doing is high. Like, it's high, like He's got an impressive range. I mean, it's not, you know, Robert Plant. But there again, he doesn't need to be. He tells the story. He tells good stories. Yeah. He's, that, he's that, always been successful. enough time not talking about the guitar in this song which is randy rhodes who was a member of the band quiet riot uh prior to this and uh i'll just let you take the floor jonathan yeah i mean you can usually tell what prompted a song to be written if it's an amazing chorus or great lyrics and and this is also the beginning of the song i mean but yeah it's just a great riff i think to my knowledge the idea of a riff and that kind of theme to base the song on must be directly from blues because like classical they'll have themes and stuff but it's not just like the same thing and this one you know is one of the classics along with you know other Aussie songs like Iron Man there's just these songs that like even as a guitar teacher it's just like all right man like you gotta be able to play this just and it's the kind of thing too a lot of people don't really play it especially well it's easy I've always wanted to put together a show and just play covers of songs people think they're fucking sick of but they're just sick of hearing people half-ass them. Like, it would be like Sunshine of Your Love and Stairway to Heaven and All Along the Watchtower. And just every song you think you're fucking sick of it, just play it well and, and show folks how, how good it really is. 
anyway, this is like up there with like a Jimmy Page level riff. It's the kind of thing that uh, it can literally lead just spontaneously to all the other parts of the song because it just has so much energy into it. That, that it yeah. It, you take it to other places and find interesting things with it. There's so many different little parts. I love how when it does kick in, it's so percussive. Just a don't don't He's almost you almost don't need a drummer in this song. I mean, you do in, obviously. Under the verse, it is a riff. Yeah, and then there's the verse. That's yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Um, that's the verse. No, I was talking about the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but that part, yeah. I was right. just talking about the guitar. Yeah. Oh, that where he went. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he took all that energy into that part, and then the the. It's just badass, mm-hmm. man. The whole, all the parts are the, obviously well, the riff is the main part, but it goes so many great places. That part, I love how it almost—it's percussive and it chugs along like a train. You know what I mean? The reason why that works so well, Neil, is because he's hitting, he's playing that, keeping the A string open. He's playing yeah, he's hit, yeah, every time. Da 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 da. Hits the yeah, A, yeah. that root that it keeps it, and then he hits the A chord, and then he keeps going back to the open A, and then he hits an E, then he goes back to the A, hits a D, and then plays a lower A. There's two stories behind the riff. Basically, Greg Leon, who was the guitarist who replaced Randy Rhodes in Quiet Riot, he has claimed that he helped him write it. They were hanging out one night, and he basically said, check out this riff in Steve Miller Band's Swing Town, and look what happens when you speed it up. And he said as they were messing around with it, like all of a sudden Randy had taken it and just did something that he was like, whoa, you gotta fucking... Did you listen to that? He's talking about the what we're talking like the verses because if you listen to swingtown that's that's what it sounds it basically you can tell that that's definitely where it came from (laughs) the verses (laughs) oh yeah and and then that led to panama by uh but the riff i think the riff was rose uh the consistency and the continuity of that many notes i think was outside of eddie van halen was a definitely a cool thing Guys, I mean, you're you're kind of all about this riff. I mean, my favorite part of the song is the solo. It's definitely a great solo. I mean, it's Mine is not. It, not a it's fan not of my the favorite solo? part. No, not real. I, it's great, but I feel like you could. It's just a little too much for my taste. I feel like what he's playing, you could play over any chords. It's just a bunch of notes. Like, give me the key, and I'm gonna do my tapping thing. And I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's a, an amazing display of talent but it's not really what I look for. And actually one of my favorite parts is towards the end when he finally like relents a little bit and it's still like a it's and right before they go back into the, the vocals is kind of, once, once he comes down off his fucking crazy train <laughs> is my favorite part of the solo there, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Let me ask you real quick, Neil. So do you like that in any capacity? I mean, do you like it when Eddie Van Halen does that stuff? Or is it, or is this technique you just don't dig? It's just it just seems a little too showy and some and sometimes in, in Van cases, Halen though. does too. Are you um, saying in all cases? Pretty much, it's just in this song because I feel like it was built for Stadium Rock and so was Van Halen. But but like eruption, like do you like eruption or does that get on your nerves? <clears throat> I do, but it seems like a science experiment, not a guitar solo necessarily. It's, <laughs> well, it's, cl- it's here's classical. the hypotheses. Well, what it is, it's, it's, it's classical based. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. It's not well, blues. Based. I wouldn't call this p- classical, though. I sure think maybe is, Van Halen, 
But I do you do you understand what I mean? That like what he's playing, if you just gave him a key, he's gonna play basically play I mean, of course he's like structuring it to the chords, but it really is just like let me see how many fucking notes I can play. But they're during good the though. But they're good notes. It's not simply well, a how many. But the best yeah, parts. The best parts. The best parts are where he, the the resolve where he kind of finally does a before he goes. I can enjoy the sheer. I think to your point, they are. They're, but they're very they're very classical, kind of like arpeggio kind of stuff, right? Like. That's what I'm saying. It's classical because it's it's of that ilk, and he's our in the tapping. Yeah, it approximates like a harpsichord. I think it's great. I I I think it's amazing. I'm never, unless we're critically talking about it, I'm not going to talk shit about it. But sounds like you just took a big Armand no, shit no, no, on no, it. No, listen, no, no. listen. The melody of the song, that it has so much melody to it that he didn't. He's playing too many notes to dig into the true melody of the song. That's what so I'm you, trying to you say. would prefer a more melodic solo. Yeah, I would have preferred he soloed oh, because they they wrote a solo section for him to solo over instead of just using yes. the the beauty of the song. They, they it's wrote, just like, yeah. hey, let's let's just play these chords so I can play as many notes as possible. Saying as many notes as possible removes any aesthetics. I don't think that's quite fair because yeah, I think no, they're all well placed notes. It's right? just like, me trying to make an effect right, of how right, right. I feel about it. I, I, I think it's really it. good. I I do. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here. It, to your point, that technique is going to sound impressive over anything. But so I almost think of almost like a bridge. Like it's almost like an, uh, it is a different little section. But it, here's the biggest thing, though. Here's why it is effective. And, I, and so and this is important. When you have a great riff, you have to get away from it in order to reintroduce it. And by going in that weird direction, they get to come back in on down. They get to reintroduce it. And so I think it's a device to your point. It's maybe not organically like well, like, a, like a Brian May solo, right? I would just rather hear Jimmy Page his version of what would happen during this. But real quick, I do like the sheer virtuosity of it. I, I enjoy that. Like I can nerd out on that. Not often, but with him and, and Eddie Van Halen, it's what this song is about. It it, it fits with the song. With him sure. and Eddie Van Halen, nobody else really, but those two, I can I can always tolerate it. Actually, yeah. I really like it. I I kind of agree with both of you in that. I love the solo, but I also do think the two best parts of the solo are the resolves in the middle and the one that goes back into the down-on-anna. I mean, I, I think both of those are the the best parts of the solo. They sound amazing. And, and yeah. I think the rest of it does too, but I, I, get, I get both of your points. Now, it's also hitting some licks in well, the chorus as well. One of my favorite parts of his guitar is in between the, I'm going off the, the first, like, and when oh, he goes yeah. to the chorus, it oh, does the, the first one, and then he chunko, does chunko, these little, <laughs> yeah, but then he does these little kind of licks at the end that are just sound fantastic. They're so I'm nasty. not going to try to, I'm trying to kind of mouth guitar like you, Neil. Like, I can't do that. Let me quickly retract my point because hearing it live, the live version of this in 81, yeah. where he plays this the album version and better like it's so impressive how well they do this live it's because crazy. this is a studio song yeah and even though i said it's built for a stadium it's not easy to pull off oh, you know? I, I like i think the studio version is a thousand times better what than the live i don't think it's versions. a thousand times better i definitely well, like the live no, version. I mean, maybe hyperbole but but yeah, no if you're yeah. li like ozzy's voice is really good when he's singing Sounds it great. live anytime yeah. you hear it and in that specific 81 live album version that, that yeah i think tribute. it was released in 87 but it's still had randy album. rhodes on it yeah yeah to be able to play that stuff live you know you know it's towards the end of the show too you it's it's been a long show 
and to be able to hit that many notes live is and he cool. changes it right there's there's different licks like it's not the same yeah exact no I, I don't crazy. think you could ever play that exactly how that that's no, but he could. i mean i'm saying he's improvising at that kind of like or he's doing different things he's expanding on it yeah. live mm-hmm. well yes I, I will say jonathan just backing up for a second you said that they do those solo parts just because when you have a riff that good you need something to break it up there is a bridge in the song and it's a, it's a damn good bridge, and, and it's effective. So you already have that breakup in there. Well, the, I'm just almost the intro to, to the solo. You got to listen. I mean, you know. It's true, but I was just trying to recognize Neil's point that it, it doesn't exactly belong. I mean, it does belong, but it's not exactly as unique. It does feel like. This is something that you can use, but it's not. It's maybe a tiny bit generic. That's not, but there again, I think they do. They reintroduce you, it. You know what? I I I take that back because now that I think about it, it goes from the bridge into the solo. Because if you think about it, the end of the bridge, it will not transition back into that riff. That's well, what I'm saying. You have to go somewhere yeah. else. You yeah, gotta, you, you gotta, to. you gotta figure out the resolution, and they uh, do it. They do it really well. Now, what do you guys think about the intro and the outro, like the little? The words and the little, that little click, that that shit's moving around your head a little bit. Like when they do yeah. it, like if you listen yeah. to it on good speakers and stereo or whatever. I, I think the beginning has been put in the Sports Hall of Fame for hearing it, <laughs> the I, I, I. Uh, but I do, I just realized um, listening to it today, the end where it's kind of, what does he say at the end? The ledge and and then the, the voice kind of like. The sound um, at the end is a studio engineer saying an egg through an oscillator. Mm. Uh, Ozzy asked him what he had for breakfast that morning, and that's what he answered. So that's what they put in there. Deep thoughts. (laughs) It's cool that they're having fun with it and not being limited to. Because with Black Sabbath, everything was very serious, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ozzy even says, like, if you read about this, he's just like, finally, like, because Randy would be like, yeah, why don't we do it in this key? You'll sound better. He's like, in Sabbath, they'd just be like, sing it. Yeah. (laughs) They still treated him like a monkey. Because it, like I've heard Tony Almi say, like we only let him in because he had a speaker and a microphone. Like they were, all, it's not, almost like they still wanted to kind of bully him around a bit or something. I, mean, I don't really know, but it's like, well, when he left, it's like he's like Tom Brady going to fucking Tampa Bay. Like he's still winning championships without y'all. Like he's crushing it. Yeah, I guess we should mention the the bass and the drummer, which was Robert Daisley, who wrote and produ- produced the song, and Lee Kerslake also produced the song, but plays drums. I I don't even really notice it, other than that like little drum rolls when it stops. I guess the bass and drums are just playing the riff. Yeah, the drummer's just keeping it simple. Like I said, you don't need more going on. Like there's already fucking Randy Rhodes. Well, you know when I do need more going on. When's that? When it's time to vibe. Yeah, that's when you have increased needs. That's when <laughs> my body needs to start going crazy, Jonathan. Um, cue the music. Three, two, one. That's that. That's that good vibe right there. That's that good stuff. You picking Um, up good vibrations? I'm picking up those good, good vibrations. Um, (laughs) Jonathan, when do you want to hear Crazy Train? Well, I don't want to hear it at a football game. (laughs) Now it's now it's almost like (laughs) da 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 da. da. I mean, it's almost like you can't. What are we doing here? Yeah, they, they've killed the first. They haven't. Killed good luck with that, good. Jonathan. Good oh, luck I hear with you. That. Um, I want to hear "Crazy Train" pretty much any time. Definitely a fun driving song. It's a fun song to play on really loud and play guitar with it. It's a lot of fun <laughs> for that. Um, and it's fun. 
like most things are shooting pool pool shooting son of a bitch you know what's funny is like you take baseball where it's like uh put me in coach or like that neil diamond song where they're like oh good sweet caroline oh, and then like oh. football it's like now they train. have killed that song <laughs> and buried oh. the body sweet caroline is is not oh. is, it was buried under the bridge in abomination where whitey now. bulger's other victims were oh, uh neil oh, what boy. where did you well <laughs> What? Uh, when do you want to hear the song? I want to hear Ozzy singing this to a hundred thousand people. I mean, that's that's the way to hear it. And yeah, I specifically want to hear it. I saw, I watched this live version of him doing it in the eighties, um, and it wasn't with Rhodes, unfortunately. It was, but it was in. It was this outdoor crowd of, I mean, it, it looked like Woodstock, like so many people. But he's also he has this mullet shirt off, wearing like what looks like Indian fringe sweatpants. And they're all just crushing it, nice. like, and and just seeing it. It's it's like a daytime show, and he's just absolutely killing it. I wonder if the, those are the same as my Indian French sweatpants. I don't know. Uh, that might have been. Yeah. I think it was called Smile Fest that Steve mm. Wozniak put mm. on from Apple. Perfect name. He just wanted to have a concert, and like, Maybe. he was like, "How much would it? How much would it cost?" And they're like, three million dollars." He's like, "Okay," and just like wrote him a check because <laughs> like. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it's called Smile Fest because, like, like lots. I think Van Halen was there. Like, lots of nice. folks were there. Yeah, very um, cool. I want to hear this song when the next time I'm in Vault Hemingway Stadium, preparing to watch the Ole Miss Rebels lose to the Mississippi State Bulldogs in uh, whatever Egg Bowl <laughs> being played that year. Also, oh, if I ever have a yeah, yeah, yeah golden egg, I want to see them lay an egg. But crazy train getting me ready. And then I'd also want to hear this when I'm, if I ever have a kid, when they're like 13 to 16 and I'm walking by the garage and they're just beavis and butt heading out to their friend, blasting crazy train. I think you're going to have to play this for your kid and be like, sit down. They're going to be like, why are we partying to this Metamucil commercial? <laughs> Speaking of Metamucil commercials, it's our cue to hop onto the influence real quick. Jonathan, recommendations... What do you think this influence was influenced by, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously there's the Eddie Van Halen comparison, uh, which I, I do think Eddie Van Halen's a little more technical. But then really all, like, metal guitar players after, like, be it Metallica or... Yeah. I mean, just anybody. I mean, it's just... Even me, like, I've never gotten around to learning this stuff, per se, because I've never had a need. Like, I'm not going to gig. I've never been like, hey, man, let's play Crazy Train at the basement, you know? Although we should have played Crazy Train at the Basement. But that being said, but definitely there's a classical component to that guitar playing for sure. Obviously there's Rock Thing, the Hendrix. And then, like I said, from that, everything, especially Metallica. Nice. Neil? Yeah, it, it really is a guitar song. Um, I, I almost feel like, in a way, the guitar is the lead singer of this song. And Ozzy's almost like on rhythm guitar with his voice. Like He's just <laughs> providing support for these, yeah. these massive riffs and solos. So that. obviously, like Zeppelin, Hendrix, um, Deep Purple, The Who, just just big, just big guitar bands. And you know, we already mentioned Steve Miller. <laughs> Steve Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend that you listen to the album. I listened to it today. I, I don't think I'd ever listened to it front to back. It's it's pretty good. It's it's a good, it's a good first first effort. And there's some decent songs on there yeah. and some silly songs on there. What do you um, think of Goodbye Romance? It's pretty fucking... It's very meatloafian. I like it. It's not produced as well as it should be, but it's nice. I like how it's just raw and fun. 
well, honestly, I like a lot of the songs on Crap, Mr. The, Crowley's pretty good. That's a badass tune. Yeah. Um, but on the on the the live versions, I would say I really knew that that tribute album really well. And those tunes like Believer and Flying High Again and I don't know, like I Flying High love Again those songs. is on this is on this album. It's good. Yeah, that's um, a they're very cool. And I would I would say I mean pretty much everything you guys said. I mean I, you know Motley Crue probably took some yeah that's a good comp out of this. Rage Against the Machine probably listened to a, a decent amount of this. You know the most more recent Jack White maybe um, the uh, uh, Cage the Elephant uh, would I would say definitely has some of some of Ozzy in yeah. them. And just a specific song from the '90s is "Rearview Rear Mirror" by Pearl Jam. Uh, definitely reminds huh. me of this okay. song. A Which one bit. is that? Is That's it "Cracked Rearview"? Was that on Versus? Yeah, yeah, so good. And well, speaking of um, Pearl Jam, why don't we? That's <laughs> under the cover. Speaking of other bands. Why don't we hide under the covers for a little while? <laughs> Talk about the uh, the covers of Crazy Train. Uh, Jonathan, go. Uh, no, I just uh, I don't listen to covers. Okay, but do you you prefer the studio to the tribute version, right? Yeah, like if I just had to hear one. If I just had to hear one, yeah, I'd probably go. But just because the mix is better on the studio, but like I really yeah. like the live version and the and I like that whole album. The whole album is really good. Yeah, well, we should mention, you know, other than Tribute, they also re-released it in 2002 for some Just reason. Just for the hell of it? <laughs> Just for the hell of it. And they added and they added keys, and they also released, uh, did it in 87 on a live album that they released without Randy Rhodes, obviously. Neil, what, what covers did you listen to? <laughs> wow, I listened to the Pat Boone cover. That's not much sure. That um, is it's like a, something. It's on an album called I'm in a Metal Mood, and it's almost like a, a Sinatra Vegas version, which is... That sounds uh, awesome, actually. That sounds like a, a Batman-themed Sinatra it's, uh, Vegas there's, version. It has high highs and low lows. It's fine. It, 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 the novelty of it is cool. I wouldn't say, like, on face value, it's amazing. It sounds even that. creepier than the original one. Like, the it, Joker, like, you're going to fucking cut me into pieces. It, it's very Adam West <laughs> Batman, like... But How? I think he, Kazam. I think he was Ozzy's neighbor for a little while, and that's why he recorded it. Pat Boone and, and Ozzy? The only other one I listened to was uh, Puddle's P- Pity Party. Ah, meet, I like we, that one. We meet again, yeah. That, that guy has a great voice, dude. man. He has, a, he has a knack for just playing acoustic songs as a clown. I just <laughs> I wish he wouldn't have gone into like SOS by uh, the police at the end of it. Oh, I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, he just does an acoustic version. I listened to a couple more. Uh, there was a girl that like named Zella Day who did kind of a Pat Benatar meets Miley Cyrus version. It's not bad. There's a Rachel Bloom version which was released for the Trolls movie, and it's just really overproduced and awful. And then there's a band called Metallicai, uh, which Metallica. is like they do like a classical string mariachi horns version, which is not good. But it sounds kind interesting. Of, kind of interesting, yeah. There's some interesting is about as as nice as I'll be about it. Yeah. They sound like a book of the Bible. Yeah. Malachi. Metallica. Malachi Metallica. one three, and there will be a train, and it will be crazy, <laughs> and there will be a blizzard of Oz, <laughs> and thou shalt be a train of insanity <laughs> to smite the land. But <laughs> on the you seventh mentioned... day, Mariachi was born. <laughs> seventh day, Mariachi. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Josh, you amazing. mentioned at the end of uh, Puddle's pity party, he went into SOS, calling out an SOS. Yes. That actually makes perfect sense for the song. I, I'm going to go ahead and listen to the end of that. Because just on a crazy train, like what's going on, just like sending out an SOS, kind of for, for just sanity. Can, can someone answer this fucking <laughs> Message this train, it gets, it's, all, it, it's almost like the Snowpiercer, you know, that movie where they're on the train that doesn't stop and they got to get to the front. Yeah, I saw that puddle pity. That fucking clown shit's entirely too goddamn freaky for me to be listening to that dude sing. He's a it's freaky like, looking clown. It's like it goes to fucking karaoke and yeah, crushes well, it. Yeah, well, this one was on Spotify, so uh, I didn't, didn't have, have to, to look it. at it. Yeah, you just, didn't, you just, listening yeah. to him was actually quite nicer. He has a great voice. Oh, and that yeah. festival I was trying to... It was the Us Festival, not the Smile. It was the Us, Us. Festival. Uh, yeah, it was okay. like Steve Wozniak yeah, put nice. it on. Speaking of clowns, though, Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? Like a pair of Chuck Taylors that a guy just has one pair of because he doesn't think about shoes because all he does is play guitar all the time so it just feels okay. like a pair of fucking lone pair of tailors <laughs> nice neil <laughs> the lone tailor no so. no the shoes fit well um and i i would liken them to a sports shoe because it, they, it the song will get you pumped up just a you know a cleat or a basketball shoe or a running shoe just the novelty of the song has been worn thin by sports but let's lean into it the soul has worn thin the novelty sports? of the song, but it could be the soul as well. The beginning, the they definitely <laughs> in, in a metaphorical sense. Uh, I, you know, when I would wear, I want to wear the this these this song fits like a, a pair of matching shoes that the three of us can wear to Us Fest twenty twenty two. Matching, uh, I mean, oh. yeah, where we we have a Topical. matching pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, we we, we wear oh, matching like we're, shoes. Our shoes are are coordinated. Yeah, coordinated. That's I'm like, my, my, shoe, I always, my shoes always match. Her shoes are uncoordinated. <laughs> no, but I'm like, you're like matching shoes. I'm like, all my shoes match. Like, what? All know, my shoes all, have all a match. All three of us are wearing matching shoes. Uh, Not just individually matching. What What do they look like? Because they were at Us Fest. They're like, uh, fucking. No, I was going to say, this, this shoe fits like a fucking insane asylum sliver. I just want to run around mumbling. Oh, I did hear a cool thing. They said Ozzy mumbles when he's annoyed and doesn't really want to keep talking to people. Like, his engineer was like, I, I watch, he's like, he's actually really smart. He just kind of plays, it does like Columbo, I think. He just plays real fucking, and people are like, ah, I just, I don't know what he's saying. And they just quit bothering him. It's, it's kind of like Sammy Sosa when like, I found out he was doing steroids, and they were like, Sammy, and he just started with like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> he just st- sticks his Snickers in his mouth. He's breaking him off a piece of that Kit Kat. Well, speaking of... So, so. On, that, on that note, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are going to play a cover of Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. Aye, aye. All aboard. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how it goes 
millions of people living as fools. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. Mental wounds not healing like a bitter shame. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Listen to preachers, I've listened to fools. I've watched all the dropouts who make their own rules. One person conditioned to rule and control. It's we the sales and you live the
right. The cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is Neil's week, so what will we be discussing, Neil? Um, we're going to get out of our wheelhouse a little bit and talk about something new. Billy Eilish, bad guy. Can't wait! Ha, 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 ha.